Welcome to episode 17 of Human Factors Cast. We're talking about video game design. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome, joined today by Billy Hall. Hey, everybody. How's it going today? And Blake Arnstorf. What's going on, everybody? Oh, man. You guys, I think we're finally live streaming. Is it real? I think it's real. Uh, Is this just a fantasy? (laughs) I think we're finally going. So... Uh, if you're just joining us, we are live streaming on YouTube. Finally, uh, we have overcome all of our usability issues and technical problems. Uh, we are up. We are live streaming. We are good to go. Isn't it so funny that a technical bo- uh, podcast is uh, having technical difficulties? Absolute irony. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Guys, how are we doing this week? I'm doing great. I mean, it's Halloween. It is Halloween. So we are recording on Halloween. Um but we recorded we're psych- what psychology of fear uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the episode that's dropping today. Yeah, oh. or no, that dropped last Thursday. But oh, last Thursday, I mean. So we record these a little bit in advance. Um, but if you want to send us questions about our upcoming shows, uh-huh. and it doesn't even have to be questions; it could be comments, short stories. Uh, we actually heard one today that we'll hear from. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Um, and uh, just to go over some of the upcoming shows next week, we'll talk about usability testing methodology. That's methods, metrics, and much, much more. Um, uh, psychology of Thanksgiving is coming up. Psychology of, or human factors of theme parks, which will be a fun one. Psychology Whee! of color. We got a bunch of cool topics. If you want to suggest a topic, go ahead and send it to us. Uh, but Billy, yes, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about the video games design. Uh oh, video games. Design. Yes. Oh it, man, I'm really excited about that. Honestly, I mean, like I always uh, see all these YouTube videos and extra credit about video game design, but. I've never really looked at what the technical aspects of it are. Man, video game design is cool. Yeah. Uh, before uh, we, we before we continue on with the topic, I want to read a message from Luke C. from Australia. Thanks, Luke. All the way from Australia. Yeah. Luke writes, hey, guys, recently found your podcast. It's been very interesting. I'm an aspiring human factor psychology researcher. So to find a podcast like this was really cool. I thought it would be interesting and maybe a bit nerdy if you reviewed what human factor designs and strategies are implemented into a huge uh, into hugely successful video games like world of warcraft keep up the podcasts man well thanks for writing in luke and first off there is no nerdy uh we uh, well i mean i guess there is nerdy but i mean there's no judgment for being nerdy no definitely (laughs) not definitely not I mean, because, I mean, look at us. We right? have all glasses <laughs> on. Got David Pumpkins over here. David Pumpkins. <laughs> I mean, I had to. I had yeah, to. it looks great. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, video games. Yeah. Thanks, Luke, for writing in. Yeah, thanks, Luke. That's an awesome <laughs> topic. Um, if you want to hear your topic on the show, write in like Luke did. You might hear it. Um, so, video games, that's close to all of our hearts, I yes, think. I, I think, think so, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, guys, I couldn't even believe some of the stats that come out from, like, some of the video game associations nowadays. Like, yeah. More than 150 million people in the U.S. alone play I, video games. I saw these million what? people. I couldn't believe these. It's nuts. So, like, uh, 
I mean, like, that's the thing. I've been playing video games since I was a little kid. I mean, like, we have my Atari right up there. You guys saw it the other yep. day, you know? I mean, like, we, I mean, like, you and me, we still play video games at least two to three times or more a week. Or together. more, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, really great. Okay, let's go over some of these other stats okay. because these are phenomenal. Uh, 63% of households have at least one gamer. Oh. That's 63% of all households. Now, that's that's at least one gamer. Yeah. Right? And in, in over half of the house. Is, is this stat in America? Yeah, so this okay. is all for America. I think it's like the uh, – it's like some international gaming association, but it's only f- based in American stats. Okay. All right. Well, is it is it America or North America? Oh, that's a good question. North America. Oh, North, North America. America. That's see, that's that's a bigger. That's a, yeah, it's even. Yeah. More insane, this is this is a stat I found, uh, which was average daily minutes played per capita is twenty three minutes a day. Twenty three minutes a day. That's legit. You know what? I bet. I bet that takes a lot of like phone games into consideration too. I wonder if it's a lot does. of fun. Maybe we should get one of our friends of the show from Big Fish Games on. Um, oh yeah, that's I mean, not they ha- they have a market in uh, people who aren't normally gamers. Mm-hmm. These are the mobile games. Uh, it would be interesting to get their perspective on things. Cool. Right. Right. Maybe right. we'll reach out to them. Um, so here's the one that here. really messed with me a little bit because I remember not too long ago when I was like in high school where all you would see on like news and all that, the video <laughs> games were really bad for everybody and people were playing too much Grand Theft Auto. But now like 68% of parents think the video games have a positive impact. And you know, I think that has a lot to do with some human factor science that comes out. I, I agree. think so too. I agree. I agree. I, gonna, I mean, it helps with a lot of moral decisions and things like that and all that sort of jazz. And, you know, it also gives people uh, thinking outside wonder, the box. I wonder what the psychology behind something like Telltale's games where you have to make these ethical decisions. I mean, Mass Effect does that too yeah. in a sense too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going game. to read the uh, side note here that you have written on the notes, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. It's <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. No, right. Uh, and I mean, video games are huge, right? I mean, they, yeah. they grossed over $22 billion in sales uh, you know that funny enough i know Crazy. maybe it's because i'm a fan i even feel that that's a little low it seems i felt that way too yeah it's, like yeah i mean like we've all like how much money have we sunk into like even our phone games well let's like put this into perspective a little bit so like yeah. big pharmaceutical companies made like a hundred and some odd billions so, i mean that's that's not even that big of a gap for video games to be making that much money true. right it's just true, insane true. they need to put video games in the classroom that way they already are. I oh, mean, yeah. they're coming. But, yeah, but, I mean, like, we need to, the ABCs to be taught to us by Master Chief. Coding is being taught by <laughs> Minecraft. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's There is some cool. curriculum that introduces coding through redstone uh, building. I don't know what else to call it. It's like code. It is coding. Well, that's awesome. I mean, like, we all love these video games, and these are impressive stats. But before we drive into the specifics of what, video games makes video games great you know what is a good uh uh what are good elements in video game design do you think well one of them so we have friends of the show that work at riot and blizzard um and and one of their sort of pick up those names you just dropped (laughs) i'm not going to drop their names just in case they're not comfortable with their names being dropped on the show riot and blizzard i think is a good (laughs) enough name right there i will drop the companies i won't drop the specific name um but uh, yeah, some of their core methods uh, are to see what other companies are doing, and it's it's a. I mean, this is no secret. All video game companies do this, uh, but I think the culture around it is a little bit different, right? Some cultures might be, um, you know, you can only play our games, 
Uh, but a lot of them say, hey, look, go out there. Play what is out there. See what works. Yeah. Bring that back home. See, I think that makes most sense because, I mean, that's even a, a human factors method, right? Do a competitive analysis of what products are out there yeah. for anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the news, they're actually talking about that. Bethesda came out and said they're not going to give any more review copies out. They want the community to make a decision based on their games. And there's an argument for both sides of yeah. that. But, I mean, in general, the idea of it is... On, on the surface, the idea of it is, I guess, is, uh, you know, it's about community. And video games are about a community. You know, especially games like World of Warcraft or League of Legends or StarCraft II or things like that. Right. Well, let me pose a question. I'm going to ask you guys. So we talked about how, you know, uh, other companies say go out, play these things. What to you guys makes a game good and what makes it bad? Which one gets it right? Which ones get it wrong? I just want to hear what you guys think. This is kind of unscripted. I have the question in here, so hopefully you saw that. But, uh, <laughs> well, no. Putting us on the spot. You yeah, know, that bit. was the thing. I, w- I was thinking about this question, and I was like, well, what aspects do we talk about? Do we talk about art design? Do we talk about gameplay? Which ones just feel good? I mean, like, I guess any game that makes you I, – I, I always feel that it makes me care about the characters. Yeah, see, that was something I saw in a lot of, because I read a bunch for this episode, uh and that was a big thing, like story and characters, but to be honest, for me, it's all about multiplayer. Multiplayer? Every time. So the sense of, like, the general community. Yeah, like, how fun is it to play with your friends, what game modes they have, that kind of stuff. But I get the story portion of it for sure. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It's funny, we have a really interesting gamut here, because you are about the story, you're about the multiplayer aspect and sort of the social aspect of it, and I'm more of, like, if it doesn't have solid gameplay or like if if the interface is just bad i will sit there and have a fit and billy has experienced this this firsthand like i just i just i'm not going to name the game because i don't want to call anybody out but i just started this new game um this past week and and billy has poor billy has to sit there listening to me fuss (laughs) and complain over over the uh playstation chat about how bad this ui is it's really bad ui I do play it because of that social aspect. So there yeah. you go. See, that's the interesting part, too, because like, I really, from the start, got into Gears of War 1, but the mechanics were awful. And they've changed so much, and it's gotten so great. But like, it was definitely that social component just right. driving you through wanting to play yeah. with your buddies. You know what the thing about it is, though, is uh, yeah, Gears of War 1, right, or 2, or 3, I played through all th- those games. And you know what it was? I'm telling you, though. I cared about, like, Dom, and I cared about all those characters. You oh, know? yeah. And I mean, like... Get really in, absorbed in the in universe, three, right? You know, spoilers. You should have played the game by now. Uh, don't, don't spoil it for... Don't spoil it for our... Oh, come don't, on. Don't do it. Don't do it. There might be some people who still haven't played through it. it it's been a long time, dude. No, no, I no. Mean, like, it breaks our spoiler policy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, for me... A good one, uh, and I was talking with this about a colleague of mine a while back, uh-huh. um, and this was before I even played the game, but uh, he and I were talking about The Last of Us, and he said this is the most perfect interface. This is the fir- the perfect uh, sort of uh, way to interact with um, the items in your inventory. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty tall claim. And he described it to me, and I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. And then I played it. And it was, it's pretty good. Did it really I, hold up? It does. So, so the way you, so you have like eight different weapons, uh, and and uh, the way you access them is by pressing a direction on the D-pad, right? Uh-huh. And so, so there's four, and then if you press the D-pad in that direction twice, you access the second gun. So, no gun is more than two 
clicks away. Um, so you can easily change to anything from anything. And it's, uh, it's also good because you don't have to like cycle through guns like in those old games where you just continuously press the d-pad in one direction through every gun yeah yeah you know it was it was nice you know one of the other things about it is is that the uh the 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 design can also play into uh the game the the story and the style like for example uh walking dead season one by tall tale games like one of the things something someone pointed out with me was is i don't understand why i have to move the directional pad around to hit a zombie in the head and hit the little dot on the head you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know why I had to do that. And someone sat down with me. It's because you're a history professor. You're a 40-year-old history professor who's afraid for his life. You're <laughs> not a zombie-killing Ubermensch. You're you're just... This is, this is not Zombieland. Right. You're not perfect. You're afraid. Now, now was that post hoc uh, rationale, or was that like something that they incorporated into their design i think i don't i i think it was por- incorporated into design maybe post it sounds like post hoc it seems like it, but me. i mean like i don't know <laughs> like they don't do it with all their games maybe not though because that sounds like if you're a 40 year old man who probably has not shot a gun too many times probably not i've never shot a zombie and then a, a zombie lunges at you in the middle of it and you only have like a bat i don't know agree yeah, to disagree what's next Okay, so we talked about designing the user experience for, of mobile apps on previous episodes. Yeah, I think that was, what, episode 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything different to take into account when designing for video games? So I thought this was really interesting going through a lot of this because I, ha- I haven't had the pleasure of working at a video game company, so I had to use other people's kind of experience, <laughs> right? So what I, f- what I kept seeing was, and I think this holds true, is you really have to shift your mindset because uh-huh. for so long I've been working like a product-based sphere right where somebody gets something and it's to do some do some action right or in this case you're trying to design not really a product itself or how somebody's going to use it but you're trying to get somebody immersed in this story right. to really absorb this character's feelings and these t- situations they're being put in mm-hmm. so i think it's just a total shift in how you approach the problem mm-hmm. what do you think nick right well i mean yeah it's it's just a totally different sort of space than what you know normal products are right i mean you're designing instead of for utility you're designing for uh fun and that 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 in itself uh produces a a big challenge for developers to get around right and uh you know you also have this sort of perspective where you have to sort of um you have to connect with the user in a way that products don't normally so like in in the sense of like a story right we talked about story that's important because now you not only have to design something that's fun you have to design something that's going to connect with that person what do you mean by give me an example you said you cared about dom i did care about dom why was that because they designed dom to be a likable character I see what you're saying there. Told a really intense story to pull at your heartstrings and all that kind of good stuff. Like, yeah. really get you emotionally invested in things. And that's I something see. I don't really think but about. But how does that, that come into play with the idea of the design? Really, that's big in the storytelling, right? Because they're trying to right. pull you in with this visual appealing set. But right. that's really not even enough just to keep you playing. Like, something can be really nice to look at, but if it's not intriguing, if it doesn't really get you emotionally invested in any way, you'll lose people. Yeah, you kind of have these three pillars that you have to hit. Story, uh, gameplay, 
and multiplayer in a sense too. Like you got or longevity or replay value. Community. Yeah. So even I, like the let's talk about the emotional investment like a, in a multiplayer thing. Like you for me it's just the competitive nature of it. Like I'm really stoked on beating all my friends or being at the top of the food chain at the end of the game. You've got to be the best. Competition yeah. challenge. Cha- it's yeah, it's important to balance challenge with gameplay and we'll talk about that later. I put a nice note in here. Okay, um, so your focus shifts from trying to get someone to use a product as a means to an end. But how does that affect uh, what you and Nick do? Like, how does the design process come into what you guys do? Is some old, dark witch stuff that you guys make? Yeah, so we get we get a coven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a goat. And, and we manifest a video game out of nothing. Is, that how, is there an app for that now? Like a little <laughs> pentagram that draws out? You put all your iPhones together? Shazam! <laughs> no, let's talk about let's talk about UI. Okay. Right. Um, so it's interesting in video games how they can get away with a bad UI because if these other aspects shine, uh-huh. they can get a, it's kind of like a uh, it it can sneak through like that game that I will not mention that we were playing this last week shines because it has a good community. Yeah, the community's solid. And because the story has hooked me. Really? The story has hooked you? Yeah. All right. But the UI and the gameplay are terrible. The Yeah. No. The, they are both terrible. I'm definitely asking what this game is out of this podcast. Oh, you know. We discussed yeah, it we before discussed the show. The, yeah. Oh, we did? Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It's the game that we're trying to get you to play. Yeah. We're oh. trying to get you to play it. Oh, man. The commute. I mean, in, but folks. here's the other thing. We play it together, but is that really a sense of community? I think so. I mean, I like, is it just, are you thinking about just us? Or are you thinking about the whole thing? Because it's a massive thing. multiplayer game. The whole thing. Okay. Okay. I think that uh, you're definitely a piece of it. And I think that, you know, even though, no, they didn't design with, oh, Nick and Billy are going to interact <laughs> in this game in mind. They definitely facilitated it okay. by making it an online multiplayer game in the first place. Right. By introducing these aspects that make uh, group things easier, e- uh, more easily accessible. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's not like a design mechanic right there, right? You're trying to make missions more like co-op playable, that kind of good stuff. So that's the kind of things you would go out with design. You would lay out the kind of game that you're building. You would be like, what kind of aspects go into it? Is that what you're talking about with the idea of the design portion of it? See, that was really interesting for me like, because re- I read a lot about World of Warcraft and Destiny. That was the two big games yeah. that were laid out really hard. And what I read was basically that the most important part to get down and get right was the story. And like I talked about, really? like the multiplayer thing <laughs> but, for me, I was like, what? That doesn't make any but sense. De- let's be honest. Destiny's story. Oh, it's it's well, bad. We, we won't go there. But <laughs> it, it, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, but it's not great. No, I, mean, I mean, like there are highs and lows to it, but some of it's just like. I can't tell you what Wolves of the Door were actually about. I, yeah, But I guess the point was, it was once you have all those kind of set pieces put together, you can really design the games you want to play, right? Okay. Yeah. So now you've got this, like, you know what the story is. Now you can get the details down into it and figure out how you're going to put mechanics together. So that's kind of like your guys' roadmap. Someone comes to you and says, I want to make uh, X survival game where it centers around these group of characters. And you're like, okay, this is the sort of stuff we need to put in to make it about that. What's the motto of the show? It depends. It depends. It depends. So so that's one aspect of it. That's one way to go through it. Another way to do it would be to say, hey, we have this engine with all these mechanics built in already. It's a Mm -hmm. first-person shooter. 
what can we do with that? Let's reskin it, sell it again. Yeah, because that's like a big replay thing right there, right? You just take the mechanics that exist and put something else on it and right, but keep going. I mean, we we I think we've kind of tangented off this question. It was yeah. about UI. Yeah, UI. Right. So I guess what let's let's back it up and ask what makes a UI in a video game good or bad. Well, it's got to be functional. Well, it's got to work. Yeah, I, I can't sit there and hate it and criticize it. <laughs> Apparently you can't. <laughs> You're going to be playing this thing for the next 90 days. You already well, invested that. Yeah, but I mean, like, even some... Uh, okay, I have so many games that are just, like, terrible UIs, but I play them anyway. Such like, as? I'm really? not going to name names. I'm not, I'm not going to call out people like this. I just... <laughs> Uh, I just can't believe Bethes, it. Okay, look. Bethesda okay. and Blizzard are just sitting outside saying, we're waiting. Yeah, we're they're right waiting. outside the studio. <laughs> going, on the yeah. door. No, I mean. <laughs> With baseball. Let me, let me put it this way. On on uh, on some games, uh, the one that I mentioned that I had a really big problem with, it's like sort of a diamond in the rough is that you can rearrange the UI. Yeah. And oh, so awesome. if I spend time with it, I will rearrange the UI and get comfortable with it and it will be fine. I just have to spend the time. Right. It's not baked in, which is the annoying part. Something like Destiny, and I will call out Destiny, has a terrible UI. Why? What's wrong with Destiny's UI? Yeah, this should be interesting. <laughs> Why is Destiny bad? Because I actually, I like, like the UI for you. Yeah, you yeah, like I, the UI? I, I, I do, yeah. I mean, it's nothing well, spectacular, I mean, but it's I feel it's functional. Shooter. Okay, yeah. beyond the UI, it has a lot of usability issues. Oh, goodness. But, but. The usability issues, I will say, are driven by the technical requirements that were brought on by last generation's consoles, right? The PS3 and the Xbox 360. You couldn't introduce uh, an open world, so they had to introduce zoning, which is the whole orbital thing. Yeah, and that's right. that's just a load of bull. I'm sorry. That is just complete bull. Like, but, I it, mean, zoning it, is a thing that people use. Yeah. I mean, it's but, a viable option. Okay, okay. But zoning to a zone, to zone somewhere else? I'm sorry, that is just bad. Why don't you just take me to the other zone that I want to go to? Why can't I just zone from one zone to another and instead of having to Okay, I'm getting I'm getting really really worked up. You guys got to bring me back down. Let's talk about <laughs> Destiny's UI for a sec. Okay. Uh, I don't like it because it's like it's it's built with a keyboard and mouse in mind. Um, in the sense that when you go into the inventory system, you have to move the joystick, and it's a cursor that you move. Yeah, okay, so Wh that is super gnarly. Why? Why don't you just hit yeah. the next thing on the... Why don't you... When you hit right, why doesn't it just go to the next item in the list? And then instead huh. of having to drag this thing across and then drag it back... Yeah, it's always <sighs> weird when they try and migrate that like pointer system into either it's like PS4 or Xbox. It drives me nuts. It's yeah. bad. Is Destiny on the PC? No. So they never even designed no. this thing oh, for wow. the PC. No. <laughs> so they just stuck it in there because I like. Uh, I'm getting cool. too worked up. All right, let, can we just talk about the next point? I'm yep, okay, so the next point on the thing was. Oh, usability, great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, no, uh, focus on friendly immersion. Each. Oh no, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so a big part of it, I mean, you gotta you want it to be usable and functional, right? But it's gotta look great, or else. For me, I I honestly can't believe that you, Nick of all people, would still play something that doesn't look right because it drives me insane. I play Minecraft, good. sir. I know. What? Well, I I've mean, never like, played Minecraft though, so I don't know what it well, looks like. Well, there's a lot of games. Minecraft gets you on one of those three pillars, and it's still good. That one pillar is still good enough. And is that just like functional? That's that's yeah yeah that's functionality all. yeah. Well, I mean, like, I've played a lot of games that have bad, 
Like, you know, like that whole uh, 8-bit resurgence, you know, that everybody's running around with and everything like that. That, like, retro I mean, revive, yeah. yeah. But look, I mean, you, can, cool you can make 8-bit. Undertale. You can make 8-bit look good. Yeah, but I mean, like, games like Undertale don't look like they're necessarily on your high idea of functionality or usability type of scale. Like, I'm not it's familiar just, with Undertale. I'm not either. If you you got it, me you there. Love it. I'm just saying. Under the tail? Undertale? Oh, man, you got to play Undertale. We're going to have comments about this. Oh, great. I'm telling you, it's going to be a thing. Uh, but I mean, like, that game is very blocky. Uh, it's very, like, dot DOS level, like, games type of thing with a amazing story and interesting cast, but it's not elaborately designed. That's pretty cool. See, that again goes back to that story element of it just being something that pulls you in. Then we could just stop the podcast here and say that I, I win. The only point about video game design you need to know is story. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, guys. Well, Billy wins this week. We'll see you next time. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. No, 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 no. Okay, no, so uh, what's the last point here? So one part that I that kept coming up was like as a and maybe Nick, this is something you and I can bang back and forth. Is sure. When you run into a like a, a human factors this is or a you, family show. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you run into problems where you want to remove any kind of issues people are having, and a lot of this, a lot of this is like friction. People running against problems using the UI, or you need to fi- make sure that they can quickly get through their normal like efficient process but in video games it's a little bit different it's almost as if you want to introduce that friction yeah it's almost like uh onboarding with any other app you know or or uh i'm sorry can you break that down for me i'm sorry guys yeah i'm lost on that so well what what part of it like what he just said like explain (laughs) that to me again i'm sorry (laughs) okay so typically like Let's say I have just a general application, right? Uh-huh. So I want my user set to be able to quickly get through the task they need to do. Say they want to add items to a list. You okay. make that like two steps. Right. But in a video game, if I just took out all the hard parts, what fun would the game be? Right. You want to build in challenge. Oh, I see. Like, don't press one button to win. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what video games are for is to like challenge you to you don't. Yeah, you don't want to win, but then you don't want it to be too difficult either or else you're not having fun. And so it's about this this balance between, uh, you know, difficulty and sort of uh, player skill like you, you. We talked about designing for the the core of your audience in one of our episodes. I think it was the design episode. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and you want to definitely do that here because. If you design for the really skilled players, right, you're going to alienate or block off uh, a ton of sales. Right, right, right. Or if you make it too easy, people will be like, "Yeah, it's an easy game. Get it for the trophies." Yeah, I beat it in uh, like four hours. I'm yeah, good to go. So you want some kind of combination of the two, right? You want to okay. bring in the new people, but you don't want to alienate your hardcore gamers because you know that that's pretty much who's grown right. your brand over the years. How and then, do you explain Dark Souls then? Well, that, that that one I've never played. Well, look. So Dark Souls' thing is that it's it's a difficult game. It's very hard. It's its whole platform is this is a tough game. It will take you back to the good old days when it was you know Super Nintendo Battletoads. Yeah, Battletoad status. Oh like, my. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Dark Souls is that that's that's what they made that's what they made it on. And so the idea of it is is that if it's the goal that you're making, then you do it. Right. Yeah, because remember, you're going to define your target audience no matter what product you make, right. especially in video games. If it's for everybody, you're trying to reach all like 
walks of video game players dope but if it's like dark souls like what you're saying that it's supposed to be super hard like for the people that really want a tough challenge then that makes sense like but they'd... the ui is solid in dark souls so it makes up for it it's kind of like kind of like a balance <laughs> thing right i don't know man do you have the skill to play dark souls i i personally don't have the skill but so I, does the, the ui make up for it well i mean the are U- you gonna play it just for the ui <laughs> well no but i mean the idea of it is is i could get good at dark souls if i practiced at it yeah you know, you, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. That's always the argument people use at Dark Souls. You can get good at it. I've got to try this game if it's that hard. It's There's a whole series of them. Um, I'm sure one of us could let you borrow some. Yeah, what yeah, 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 up? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's let, we're talking about usability here. Um, I'm going to read the notes. Just We've sidetracked so much. <laughs> this <laughs> Just, is a tough one this, to talk about. Well, no, it's not tough. It's super easy, and that's why we're getting sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see here. So uh, we talk about the learning curve in our notes here, and I just want to I want to revisit that because I want to talk a little bit about tutorials because a lot of uh, design goes into tutorials. And what's the first thing you do when you get into a game? You skip, skip the tutorial, right? Uh, I always regret that later, though. Right? Yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean the the best games do a tutorial by introducing you skills in the game. While it's going, like the Batman game. Yeah, you you want to sort of rely on these uh, sort of conventions and standards to give the player enough to go off of. Like, let's say it's a shooter, right? right with some unique aspects of it, you give them. Um, and this is one thing that I will give Destiny an okay pass on uh, is that it introduces you to the skills at an acceptable rate. So, one, you'll start off with just a gun. Uh-huh. And then you level up and you get grenades or I forget what's next. You get grenades or something. And they're like, okay, so you're familiar with shooters. Um, you're shooting things. All right, you trigger, move, yeah, and look. Okay. You know, that actually really is done well in Destiny. Uh, yeah. Now that I remember it. Yeah. yeah. And then and then the next level you level up and you get, uh, what is it, uh, melee. You get a yeah. melee attack. And you don't, like, melee is standard in most games up front. But they introduce you to these slowly, so that way you can, you know, press the button and get exactly what you want. But you're still progressing. You're still figuring things out. And then it gives you your super ability, which is, you know, both both uh, bumpers. Yeah. So, I mean, it ramps you up slowly to all these abilities. And then it introduces you to, okay, you can do different things with these. But we're not going to give them all to you at the same time. You'll unlock them slowly over time. So I think that is one thing that it does well. And I think that's a model that more games should follow is that don't give me a tutorial that I'm just going to skip. Don't explain everything up front. Explain it as it comes through. And that's something that developers have to consider when they're going through and making their games. And I mean, you know where that never happens is in multiplayer. You rarely ever see like a tutorial that comes all the way through the game. The only one I've seen recently is, of course, what you're talking about with Destiny a little bit. But they've done it in Gears 4, too. Like They've changed some of the movement mechanics, and they right. throw it in there as you play different like uh, well, multiplayer matches. Well, like for example, like uh, World of Warcraft, since we mentioned it earlier... It kind of gets you in there by keeping the story going and things like that. And you use and learn the moves you're supposed to do by doing story, which is important, I think. Yeah, and it's World of Warcraft's really good because it only gives you what you need or what you have access to at the time. It doesn't really throw a whole lot of stuff on your UI until it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Or until you get a bunch of mods and start doing raids. So, usability. We've 
talked about how does that work in video game context. We just talked about usability. I mean, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Level design. <laughs> well, like we said, it's like we're all over the place with this one. So yeah, you know, it's, sorry, it's, we're, we're skipping around, and I'm 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 professional. This is unprofessional work <laughs> right now. Come let's on, okay. Let's talk about level design. What is level design, and how do you ensure that each level will provide challenging experience for the player? I mean, we talked about tutorials, which is pretty much level zero, right? So once you've, uh, I, I read this great article, and I'm going to go ahead and plug these guys because this was this was a fantastic article on JuicyBeast.com, um, mm. and it gives an awesome overview about how to design a platforming level. And I'm going to talk about this in the platforming sense, but you can extrapolate this to any game, uh, and and you can just imagine how complex this will get once you go from 2D to 3D, and then incorporate a ton of different ways to accomplish a goal. But check this out, real so, quick before you get too far. Yeah, platforming. Platforming is just like jumping from Mario one platform. Brothers. Mario is a good gotcha. example. Cool. Um, it's think about like a two D side scroller that you are literally jumping on platforms to get to the goal. Cool. Okay. Think about it from this perspective. So we talked about balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about balance, especially in our board game design episode. Yeah. That was a great episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Um, but yeah, with balance, you don't want to give anybody an unfair advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is this is in sense of multiplayer. You don't want to give anybody an unfair advantage, but you also don't want to. Um, you also want to balance skill with uh, challenge, like we discussed earlier. You don't want to make it too hard. You don't want to make it too easy. It's a it's a game, right? Um, so, so one tip they give for um, designing a platformer is to make your level, right? So, so, so you literally draw this out. You don't. Don't code anything yet. Draw this out. It's just like a mock-up. Mm-hmm. You draw this thing out, and then you just draw desire paths for your little avatar, right? So, like, if your if your goal is up a series of jumps, you um, you sort of draw the desire path, the path of least resistance to that way. And then, like, let's say you uh, you take into consideration some of the mechanics of the game. So, like, how high does the character jump? Um, how far can they jump? Is this platform too small to land on? Is it? These are all things that you have to consider. Um, and so uh, you draw out desire paths to the goal. Uh huh. Um, you have to understand which game mechanics you have. So, like, is there a double jump? Like I said, how how tall? How high do you jump? How far can you jump? How wide is the platform? How can these things be used to get to the goal? And are there different paths to it? Um, and then they talk about, uh, I mean, we're just, we're talking about this at the most basic level. Like I said, this is a 2d platformer with very, very limited sort of, uh, ways to get to a goal. So in this argument that you're saying, and it just popped in my head, the perfect first level probably, I mean, that everyone would know is super Mario brothers world one, one. Is that perfect though? I mean, you. I mean, think about it. You start the game all the way at the left-hand side of the screen. Right. So you can't go anywhere on the left-hand side of the screen. You can only go forward. Right. And you're always in. And after that, you're always in the middle of the screen. Right. And you when can you, never go back. Right. And then when you get to the front of it, you have plenty of. You, the first thing you see is actually the question mark. Right. So you can experience the question mark as the little Goomba is coming up to you. You have plenty of time as that Goomba is coming up to you. To jump and see what's going on. To figure out which button is jump. And then the platform, It doesn't give you a tutorial. No, and that platform is actually, and I found this out, is actually the top height that you can actually jump to without running. Mm. 
So if you hit A, yeah. as you jump up as high as you can, you will land on that platform every time because it is the perfect height for that jump. That's a great point. That's pretty sweet, man. Yeah. And yeah, and they they designed it so that way if you jump up underneath it, you would hit the question mark. And then what do you get? You get a mushroom. That mushroom tells you that's the way to actually do it. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about this just in the 2D sense. But you can imagine, like I said earlier, how this could get more complex if you have a 3D platformer. Mm -hmm. Then you have to design for three dimensions. You have to make all these different paths. So you can imagine you can't account for everything. And that's why video game design is so hard. Mm -hmm. And then when you start adding in abilities like sliding and um, triple jumping and some classes can do this and some classes can't do this, you know, like it's it gets very, very complex very quickly. But how awesome would it be able to see these workflows like laid out? Because all this is is a really, I mean, this this probably came before, but like for, this is just like website design, really. Like right. Defining an optimal path. Yeah. How many ways can you get there? Yeah, exactly. It, I don't know. It's very analogous awesome. to that. And I think it's really cool because user testing is done the same way. Wow. They did that in a way that I hadn't anticipated at all. Is that? Let's patch that. Yep. Is that kind of like... Is that kind of like how Gears... I mean, in that argument, almost Gears of War is almost like a platformer, if you think about it. Uh, can you jump in Gears of War? No, 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 no. Think about it. What is the main objective of defense that you have in Gears of War? Smashing your body against barriers. Right? Getting behind chest-high walls. And finding the best route of moving up the battlefield, yeah, jumping from chest-high wall to chest-high wall. And if you jump to the wrong chest-high wall, you're going to get lit up with gunfire. Oh, yeah. Like, That's if you bounce point. the wrong way, you're in trouble. Oh, dude. Yeah. Gears of War is secretly a platformer. No. <laughs> so um, you basically use this to ramp new players into this as well. But how do you help new players getting on board with this game? So one way you can always... Like strike a chord with new players is just like using something that's continually used in different games. So first person shooters, you know, left trigger, aim, right trigger, shoot. Right. Like that yeah. kind of easy stuff. Uh, but one mistake that I've seen a couple of different uh, I'll just use Call of Duty as an example here, but a couple of different developers do is they add little mechanics but don't ever tell anybody about them. Kind of like sliding in Black Ops that disappears in Modern Warfare. So that can actually oh, lose your players in some some cases. Too. Right. I was yeah. used to this mechanic and now it's gone. Or, uh, you know, like, why am I getting beaten so quickly because these other people are utilizing this Yeah, stuff? it's it goes back kind of a little bit about the tutorial you were talking about. Right. Like, if you're like me and you get something on night one, you jump into multiplayer and you don't know what's been added, what's been taken away. And there has to be, like, certain senses of universal truth, too, like... Like, in all shooters, the trigger button is always fire. Yeah. Like uh, what you said with... Um, consistency and standards. Consistency and standards. Mm -hmm. And the same thing was said in No Man's Skies. You, uh, the inventory, what was it, the inventory button or the... Oh, they use that same BS system that Destiny does with the... The point and click? The point and click. Oh, oh so yeah. Stupid. No, I mean, like, didn't you say, like, there, why is the run button... The run button was R3 instead of L3. Right. It's always L... And he was like, that's so confusing because we're Dumb. used to it because it's consistency and standards. I'm learning. Yes. <laughs> so... Oh, I wanted to make another point, too. Battlefront did this, too, with a rollability. So in the base game, there was no rollability. Uh, and then they added this later and didn't tell players. Uh, and so, you know, one day I was playing, and I see these people dodging around, and I'm like, how? How are you, how are you doing this? It was in the patch notes. <laughs> and they, they're pretty bad. Like, I love Battlefront, but they're pretty bad about, like, letting people know about new star cards. And right, 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 Like, unless you're part of the app, uh, they'll, like, push notifications to you, like, new star cards available. Um 
But yeah. So See, we're that's something I didn't know anything about was these like supplemental apps that you can have for games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're big. That blew me away. I'm waiting for one to actually feed my mount in that game we're not talking about. <laughs> oh yes. Okay, so we're talking a lot about the importance of user interface in game design, but can you guys give an example of why it's so important? Because we talked about the idea that a story can actually overcome a lot of these Hold things. Hold up, one sec. I got to apologize for anyone listening. We're recording this on Halloween, so there are plenty of children outside yelling and screaming if you hear that. Uh, we are not in a torture chamber. <laughs> we are in a garage. Quiet, children. <laughs> uh, Okay, what was the question? I'm sorry. So we talked about, like, I, I said earlier that, you know, it seems like story is the most important thing to design and everything like that. But, you know, we're talking a lot about the importance of user interface in games design. What can you guys give me as an examples of why it's so important? So I'm going to throw this one back out to Luke because he asked that question about, like, hey, can you guys talk about WoW a little bit? Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Luke. And since, since uh, Nick plugged the website, he got the got one of the articles from i'm gonna do the same for these guys this is from digital telepathy and uh -huh. they did a big breakdown of like blizzard and uh wow especially but so i don't know if you guys remember i'm sure you do but it, wow it used to be like a, a real-time strategy game yeah and yeah then, of course and then it more well, war warcraft did yeah warcraft. warcraft did you're right yeah 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 orcs versus humans and then here comes the greatest MMORPG of all time, or one of the most well-known for sure. Yeah, debatable whether or not it's the best, but... Second Life, right? We're talking about Second oh, okay. Life? Yes, that one. <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, yeah, but I I'm mean... I'm a this level 32 unicorn in Second Life. Because that's what people are always looking for in the UX business is unicorns. <laughs> unicorns. Of course. Consistency of design of unicorns. <laughs> So, okay, back right, to let's it. get back on it. So here for like, wow, you have this big shift and a focus to a single character now. You're not just monitoring a bunch of different little goons. You're you're using one character, going through their story, right? Getting new abilities, right? Um, and then this was good for like new players too, because I remember the first time I played WoW, I had no idea what was going on. Never played really too many PC games, but they only like included things in the UI that you absolutely needed, right? And then it was it was super customizable, so you could like throw different combinations together and all that kind of stuff. You can assign different hotkeys. You can assign different hotbars. Yeah, that was always interesting. And then, Yeah, but they never teach you that stuff in the tutorial that I'm aware of. I definitely got it from one of the tutorials because I wouldn't have known yeah, how to play. Yeah, help, but it's not it's, – I don't think it's anything like – Like the old wizard doesn't come out of the tutorial and say, if you push up and down arrow, you will be able to see other hotbars. <laughs> when you fight the demon. Well, I mean, true. And once you get more complex, I mean, this is kind of where WoW did a great job, right? Like, they have all these extra mods that you can put on for raids when you're, if you're like a really intensive player, you're right. part of like groups and things like that. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy and beautiful world that they created through their UI. So, the yeah. idea of it is, is that they, they, they made an intuitive UI. And then what they did was they listened to their community and 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 perfected their ui kind of like you know put a little bit of more flavor into it based on what they wanted yeah i mean they had a lot of customization options you could go for if you were going outside or if you were just a new player you could stick with the the same old easy stuff i get it i get it i get it okay okay so what else i mean like when you're going through this sort of stuff when you're going through the ui design do you look at the i i mean like how do you not make it the way you want it to be and how you make it for the player? I think we talked about it a little bit before. You know what I'm saying? 
A little bit of tunes. Yeah. yeah. Someone's outside blasting <laughs> something. Happy Halloween, everyone. No, I mean, but, like, we talked about it before, but it's the idea of, like, um, um, you know, like, I designed a computer game, okay. and I know all the secrets and tricks to it because yes. it made sense to me. Right. You How do you make it make sense to other players? Playtesting. <laughs> yeah, that would be That's the easiest way. Either that, following conventions, like whatever's already existing, right. kind of using stuff you can leverage, but then play testing the heck out of it. Oh, but yeah. Is that also why people, like a lot of like ga- major game companies are collecting user data now? Ooh, I would assume yeah. so, yeah. I mean, that's really feeding all the changes they make. It helps them get their oh, patches yeah. together. That kind If of they find stuff. a lot of people are getting stuck on Quest X, uh-huh. they'll change Quest X. Okay, okay. So... <clears throat> Um, so granted video games look awesome, especially nowadays. And, uh, with the introduction of VR, you know, because we did that PSVR impression last, last week. week. Yeah, that was good. But, uh, how do you, I mean, like we talked a little bit about the idea of user interface keeping fresh with the community, but how else do you design to keep your game going for three, four, five years? Like, uh, Grand Theft Auto five. Trick them into paying for a subscription. And <laughs> <laughs> and then there's three stuck. months at a time. <laughs> no, they they are, uh, and by they I mean game developers mm-hmm. are using psychology. They oh. are they are hacking us. I I've heard of this thing. I think Wh- I know what this is this one. thing. The Skinner box situation. Uh, c- yeah, kind of. Press They're lever def- enough times. Def- yeah. Definitely <laughs> using Skinner box uh, theory. Is that not what it, what, no, what that's, you mean? That's part of it. Certainly. I mean, there's I mean, like, we're gonna going to hack the on. brains with your witchcraft and wizardry. Blake, you put this in there. How yeah, do you so pronounce the, this? Oh, man, this is going to be tough, and I already feel bad, but he's long gone. I think it's Zygernik. What is he? Zygernik. Russian? So, uh, I think he was a German scientist that, like, in the 20s, discovered that when people leave tasks incomplete or interrupted, they're better remembered. Hey, guys, can I just interrupt us really quick to talk about... Oh, you know what? Go ahead, Blake. Yeah, Nick interrupted me that one time. I'll never forget it now. (laughs) But yeah, so when you know that something's incomplete, you get this feeling like, okay, I want to go do that because you just remember it. And all the games that I I know that I like um, definitely use this, but one that I had read about was Destiny. And if you think about it, all those meters and all the different things that you have to go and accomplish on like a right. regular basis, right? Uh, just keep the daily pulling quest. you back. Yeah, the daily quest, even stuff like wow, like the daily quest for me on Friday. For me, it's stupid trophies and achievements. It's so stupid, but I feel like I I am compelled when I have something sitting in my log and people can see it on my profile, even though no one looks at it. It's like I know it's incomplete, and it bothers me that it's not complete i want to go back and finish all the trophies that i can to get 100 percent so i can see it they're playing on your sensibilities man yeah isn't isn't that like having a picasso in a private bathroom yes that's exactly like having a picasso in a private bathroom billy yeah how how did you get to that conclusion well i mean like it's like it's like look at this really beautiful thing that i admit that i have and look how great it is and how hard it was to get, but no one ever goes into that bathroom because it's no, just for me. It's it's more about the completion aspect of it for me. It's okay. like I, I know I have these things that are incomplete, but I need to finish them. I don't have enough time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do it somehow. Uh, let's talk about leveling up because that that's the same thing. When you see things, when you see progression, you're addicted to that progression. They're hacking your psychology to make you want to play more. See, this is secretly why I don't have a PS4 yet, because you guys be so <laughs> many levels above me, it's going to drive me insane. No, man. We'll <laughs> Actually, funny we'll enough, the game that we're not talking about 
we can always get down to your level and help you get up there. Uh oh. Yeah. 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 Um, it it really plays off that social aspect that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. No, and it keeps you playing too because it's like I was stuck as one class doing one thing but i can seamlessly switch from class to class to class i feel like we've given enough clues as to what this game is and our listeners will figure it out oh probably anyway. and i i think why are you hating on this game I, we're not hate we play it we we paid for let's it. be clear nick has a problem with the ui but he can fix that right. yeah yeah that's simple okay so like uh so video games are using psychology to keep players playing so that's what we're talking about the idea of that skinner box and things like that but um you know like what kind of little things do they do to do it? I mean, just the idea of leveling up and getting completions is there, but, you know, those things are finite things. You can finish those. Well, like, kind of we talked about earlier, you know, how you take the, you just take the mechanics that exist and you put a new face on it. Like, there's right. there's business behind all oh, yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah, they, they, they plan for the long term. Uh, when they push out a game, some of these companies, they're already planning, like, okay, this is going to burn out in a couple months here, and we're going to have to push something else out. Uh huh. They create excitement around it, get people back in, get the player base back. So I mean that I mean like, and then you know you have like vanity items, you have new dungeons, raids, quests, things. They like add that, new content that's cheap to produce that will keep people coming back. Is it really like cheap? A, like Halloween thing. events. That's just a couple assets. Isn't that more of like a – is that a human factors thing? Like you guys say, okay, when Christmas rolls around, they're going to get secret Christmas presents, and then these things are going to pop out and give them present stuff. I mean, it definitely plays off psychology. Uh-huh. The psychology of like – if there's a um, – God, I wish I wrote this in the notes. There's a thing where if I give you something, uh-huh. the, the concept of reciprocity – we talked about this before. If I give you something, yeah. you're more likely to give me something back. If I give you an in-game item or an in-game event, right. you're more likely to give me your playtime. But do you guys actually like kind – of, like if you guys were working on a video game, would you be the guys who were designing that or would that be another job? It would probably be like an interplay between whatever, like, I guess the developers and the creative team come up with and then looking yeah. at the, d- the levels and all that kind of stuff, seeing where they present issues. So right. they would give you an outline and you would fill in the adjectives. Now, this is kind Maybe. of like a guess because, remember, I haven't worked right. in any kind of development. From, from what I understand, this is not necessarily the role uh, predominantly of a uh, UX or human factors person on, on staff. This is more like the marketing perspective ah. um, because they can get at this a lot more. But there's a lot of psychology that goes into marketing. So we can kind of talk at that aspect, too. Maybe but, in a different episode? Uh, psychology of marketing. That'd yeah. be dope. Yeah, that yeah. Be cool. yeah, digital Definitely. marketing, too. Yeah. Well, what's this hooked model that you have in Destiny here? What is that? Yeah, so this was... Uh, and this is based off of a book that I think is called Hooked, but it's really just a habit-forming process. And uh, the guys that are from Digital Telepathy wrote this down like as it applied to Destiny. So it's really having a bunch of triggers that are outside of the person that's playing the game that force or not force them but get them a little more excited to play like if you're let's say like internal ones like you're bored so you want to go play a game or you want to go hang out with your friends online that kind of stuff and then there's also like the external trigger so this is where i picked up the thing about the apps that they have for fo- that push notifications about right, like right, oh right. this new patch is out that kind of stuff right and then so these like triggers are followed up by whatever action that there is in the game. So in Destiny, it's pretty simple. You just go shoot all the things, all the mans, all the mans, um, and then by shooting all the things, you get these different layers of rewards. So whether it's loot, leveling up, getting more debt, getting more bounties finished, that kind looking of looking pretty. Yeah, looking pretty is a thing. And so this just 
again turns on to more investment of users time right so as they experience experience these triggers and get these rewards they want to invest more time in the game usually I, I just also want to throw out to everyone in the audience though we're dropping a lot of like uh sites and things like that when we get closer to actually dropping the episode on the podcast we'll definitely be putting all these links in there so you can do your own research as well and continue the conversation so with all that said i want to i want to end today okay with a philosophical question uh oh brought to you by the game design subreddit. Game okay. design subreddit. Yeah, let's. I, this is a question I saw in there, and I was like, "Oh, this is really, really interesting." Uh-huh. Um, so, after everything that we talked about today, right? Is it better to have an easy game with options to become harder or more difficult, or a difficult game with more options to become easier? So would you rather the Dark Souls approach where it starts off really hard, but you have an option to come down or an easy game where you can ramp up the difficulty? I have my answer, but I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I mean, like, I want to ask one of the things that I always want to bring up is, is that the, 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 the game cheats sometimes. The game cheats. Like if you put it on a difficult setting, the game will cheat. Like, I mean, it's really big in <laughs> RTSs and uh, strategy games, but it'll be like, and there were four guys right here. Why? How? Where did they come from? I mean, like, even, like, XCOM, when uh, the actual creator of XCOM came out and said, no, 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 our hard, hard mode is not fair. It will cheat. So, so you're saying that it, it, it uh, sort of gets outside of these normal... Um, Bonds. The, the normal ways in which users interact with the game in order to produce a harder difficulty. Right. I mean, in that sense, I would rather have a easy game that I can ramp up on so I can have a mastery of it, you know, before I actually get to the point of it cheating on me. But I mean, like, I mean, I've played other games like that. And, and I'm not saying cheating in a bad way. It's just like, you're good. We're going to make it a little unfair so you can be better. You know what I mean? It's not impossible to do. It's just really hard to do yeah i mean i i totally get the wind to ramp up stuff and i mean it makes sense especially because nick like you were talking about i get ocd about getting collectibles too <laughs> but i don't know i always hop into either like getting in legendary mode or insane mode and gears that's the first so, thing so I go you into. jump in like hard all as the I way get, yeah because so, at some point it'll knock me down so hard that i'll have to turn it down or i'll go play multiplayer and those guys aren't as good as some of the ai bots in like insane right so, so i don't know if, oh, i never even thought about it, that it has a good like for gears it's really good because you have to do headshots in insane and then your multiplayer skills are dope well that makes a lot of sense because i'm really bad at destiny's multiplayer when i'm playing with like Nick here or other guys online that we have because they're really high tier. And I play with them all the time because I like the idea of community and everything. So I'll play with them all the time, do horribly, like really bad, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I will go and I will play just a game by myself with my horrible losing streak and multiple deaths. And I'll be like, what is everybody doing as I just gun them all down? And I'm like, oh my God, this is what progression feels like. (laughs) It's because it pairs you with higher tiered difficulty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's we're in a team and it pairs with the higher difficulty. That's what I'm saying. It starts out easy, you get the mastery. Because they started out easy and got the mastery. I started out with them, so I didn't get an easy mode. I just had you to You just had this. to adjust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what do you think? Well, for me, it's interesting because I usually start somewhere in the middle. I start like normal mode, and then if it's too easy, I'll ramp it up. 
or if I know there's a trophy that involves <laughs> like the hardest difficulty, I'll just play that way. So that way I don't have to go through it again. Solo Crota. But, but, um, yeah, it's the one trophy I still need. Yeah. Well, not solo, but mm. without Do it dying. without dying. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, but I'm thinking about this from like a, um, from like a puzzle perspective. So think about games that, uh, that have these really difficult puzzles, right? With the internet being as ubiquitous as it is, people will find out the solution to a puzzle and share it. And if you get stuck, it's not like, you know, the Nintendo days where you can... Where, you like, had to dial the 1-800 you, number? Well, either that or you had to get the cheat codes. Or, yeah. or you, you spent months and months and months on this one game because that's all you get and right. until another game comes out and you have the time to invest into that game to figure out the things. No one was... I mean, the only way you shared any information was through word of mouth. It was really difficult to find out these answers. But now, you can just search it on the internet. So when it comes to that, I'm a big fan of introducing really difficult uh, sort of – it's got to be a good mix. But really difficult puzzles intrigue me because, you know, if you make it so impossible that people won't figure it out – I'm talking about, like, for raids, right? Like uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Right. If you, if you make this, like, one mechanic, like, you got to press this button on the wall. And then you got to go do a circle around the boss three times. And then, like, who's going to hokey pokey? Who's going to figure that out? Some wild stuff. That's cool to me. That's cool. You think that's good? Because I think think that introduces this whole community. But in terms of single player games, um, I think somewhere right in the middle. I think, I don't think, I think you want to design for that majority. And the majority is going to start right in the middle. Well, I mean, he does have a point. He's not alone in this thought. I mean, like, for example, a lot of people do the whole new. Uh, wow raids, and they're disappointed when the boss goes down. Yep, quickly. Yep. everyone's like, I would be too. Yeah, I can't believe they beat it already. World, they first. were like, oh, like that's two a hours shame. after. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Is like, dude, that stuff is such a struggle. Yeah, like, I can't. I don't don't stand in the fire and get better at your DPS. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, guys, we done. Yeah, we're done. All, All right, up. that's got to be it for today. If you want to be featured on our show, like Luke. Uh, we're all over social media. Go ahead and comment on our SoundCloud, Facebook, or Twitter, or send us an email at humanfactorscast at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, whatever. If you like what we're doing, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash humanfactorscast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review us five stars on iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast directory. We're always trying to keep in touch with interesting topics that our listeners want to hear about on the show. So feel free to use the force and suggest a way like Luke did. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what you did there. Uh, Blake Arnsdorf, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at UXChillBro. Billy Hall, where can they find you? You can find me on YouTube or Twitter at ComstarCleric. All right. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time. It's a bitch! Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. 
They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense. <laughs>